Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. Last week, we were discussing Romans 8, 26 through 36, and we didn't quite get through all the verses, but we want to make sure that you have a really firm understanding of that passage and of God's sovereignty before we begin our series on prayer, because it's a very foundational principle and it will really affect how we view prayer. So you just want to give us a little recap of what we talked about last week, and then we will pick up with, I believe we were on verse 34. Sure, I would love to do that. You see what's going on is even things that are clearly meant to comfort us, uh, popular teachers on prayer misinterpret to be contingent on whether we do it right or not. That's right. And we said last week that this comfort is offered to believers in Christ for coming to him by his grace and his power, believing his promises. And you need to have proper doctrine of Christ, who he is, the eternal creator of the universe, not an ancient God. We believe the Trinity. Okay. Okay. There are some Jesus-only Pentecostals that believe other doctrines, and they write books, but it's false. Jesus came into the world. Jesus, who created all things, according to John 1, 1 through 18, the one who died for sins, the one who was raised from the dead, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, bodily ascended to heaven, who reigns at the right hand of God, according to Psalm 110, verse 1. That's the Christ we're talking about. Believers are those who know him. Okay. okay. So last week we said, with all that being said, trusting Christ on his terms and the power of God, this is what we know. And that is that God is working out our conformity ultimately to the image of Christ. That's right. And Part of what we're going to discuss this week is what we would call providence. Okay. The things that go on in our life, which include good and evil, all of those things work together for our good to conform us to the image of Christ. Right. We mentioned issue 113 of Critical Issues Commentary. You can go and look that up. So, in that context, we've been working our way through Romans 8 and reading it and thinking about what did Paul intend to tell us because he's the Holy Spirit-inspired author. Yes. Before we actually pick up with that verse, just in case anybody missed last week, do you want to share that Dutch Sheets quote again so we can uh, just kind of remind the listeners of what it is we're trying to correct here? Okay, this is, uh, we'll later do more work on this, but page 111 of the book, Intercessory Prayer. Okay. Notice that verse 28 begins with the word and, says uh, Mr. Sheets, which is a conjunction connecting verse 28, Romans 8, to verses 26 and 27, making it dependent on what is said there. In other words, all things don't work together for good in the lives of Christians unless certain conditions are met. All things can work together 
for our good. God's will is for all things to work together for our good, but it isn't automatic. We have a part to play. It happens as verses 26 and 27 are being implemented. Last week, we read verses 26 and 27. It's about the Holy Spirit interceding for us according to the will of God. Right. Then we went on to show how God is sovereign and how that works out in these verses in Romans 8. So how are we going to thwart that? Besides, it's just not good theological discussion to use the word automatic. Right. Because that is reducing things to the level of necessity and it brings in all kinds of thoughts that are not right here. Automatic means this is just going to happen no matter what, which is more like hate. Right. I'm not sure what he means by that. But Paul did not make this automatic in the sense that if you have an automatic transmission and car is just going to shift. Right. The point if you push on the gas, put it in here, it's not a good theological term. This is relational. It's about knowing God. It's about God having chosen us and redeemed us and brought us to himself. And in that context, despite the fact we're not yet, we fail and stumble. And Romans 7 is certainly something to talk about. Okay. But Romans 8 isn't there. Make it look like somehow there's some contingency, we're probably going to blow it. Right. It's meant to bring us comfort and reassurance. So last week we talked about many people now, I tell them, go read this. But then a lot of times they just don't call back or they don't read it or they don't think it applies. Some people said, well, well, I tried that. And I think if I do it right, some people say, well, I spoke in tongues and then something happened. Yeah. But is Paul talking about the spirit being manifest if someone speaks in tongues, then things work out? You don't even know what you said yourself in these cases? No, that's not what he's saying here. No, that's not in the context. So what we want to do is get back, go on forward here, and ask ourselves this question. Did Paul, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit, who wrote scripture, intend for us to see this as contingent on us getting it right. Okay. So let's and hearing up- some voice of the spirit beyond scripture. Right. That is not, it's just not found here. Right. So let's go and read some more. Okay. We'll start with verse 31. What then shall we say to these things from the American standard? If God for us, who was against us? The implied answer, no one. Right. Effectually can stop God from completing his purpose. Okay. He uses means. It's relational. It's not about being a robot or automatic or anything. It's about God keeping his promises, those he saved. Okay. Now, verse 32. Look at the proof that we can trust the promises of God. Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, delivered him up over for us all, 
how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Okay. Uh, dear listeners, if you read that in the context of believing the promises of God, why would that comfort us? Well, because Paul is giving us assurance based on what he did in history. He did not spare his own son. The son, second person of the Trinity, God the son, the creator, as I mentioned, he delivered him up, delivered him over for us all. Yeah. And so the sinless son of God, the virgin born son of God, delivered by father, die for us, the just for the unjust, in order to bring us to God. Yes. He shed his blood for atonement. He, he proved that we can believe this because predicted his own resurrection and was so raised appeared to witnesses and he intercedes for us as mentioned as far as the spirits interceding here Jesus interceding at the throne of grace okay so let's go on what's the what's the point well you're gonna blow it and it won't happen wow no how could you read that from this text read it again remember yeah. one yes sir we were reading the scripture some guy said, well, God can't do this. And he looks down. Read it again. <laughs> well, it can't mean that. Okay, what's your reading? Well, he didn't say that, but then others said, I, I probably jumped in there. Because mm -hmm. I attended to that in class. I'm a student. It doesn't mean that. God right. means what he says. We don't want to read into it. We want to understand it. So if he didn't spare his own son, what's the implication? He will give with him freely give us all things. What things? Those things promised by God. Yes. What did God promise? That we that our sins are forgiven? That we'll that be conformed to the image of Christ? Be conformed. We won't be separated from the love of God. The sheep, Jesus said in John 6, he won't lose any. Right. The good shepherd takes care of his own team. And so believe the promises of God. Let's, let's go on. Verse 33 of Romans 8. We'll bring a charge against God's elect. We mentioned that, I believe. God is the one who justified. Who's God's elect? The ones God's justified. Yes. The ones God justified. And so if you are justified, what does that mean? It means that you have right standing before God, yet on the day of judgment, you're not going to be able to plead your good works, but you have been saved, cleansed, forgiven, redeemed, and made to be one of God's people. And on the day of judgment, justified because of what God did for you, not what you did for God. Right, amen. So then we go to the next verse, verse 34. Who is the one who condemns? What's Satan. the implied answer? <laughs> really? Satan is the accuser of the brethren, but nobody can truly condemn us once we've been justified by God. Right. And so if the ground of our redemption, the finished work of Christ, Satan would love to condemn us, but he won't be able to. 
Yes. Because he will be himself cast into the lake of fire. Right. At the very end. Jesus Christ, it says in verse 34, is he who died. Yes, rather was raised. I mentioned that. That's why we know the promises of God are true. Right. We didn't follow cleverly devised fables, Peter said, when we declared these things to you. Every sermon and speech by someone who spoke by the Spirit or spoke the gospel, the entire book of Acts, everyone mentions the resurrection. Yes. The people that first heard that, the day of Pentecost, people that were there, and if there was someone there who could say, no, there's a dead body in the room. There it is. Nobody said they did. They could do that because they all agreed the tomb's empty. Right. Okay. So he's raised. Yes, rather, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God. What's that an allusion to? Psalm 110, verse 1. Okay. That is one of the most cited, in fact, the most cited passage in the whole New Testament, Psalm yes. 110. Was at the right hand of God. What does that imply? He intercedes for us. He's ruling. He's going to come again for his own. And so we're seeing. He also intercedes for us. So now what do we know? What did it say earlier? Romans 8.26. The Spirit himself intercedes for us. And he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And here as we read on, verse 34, was at the right hand of God. He also intercedes for us. Yes. Okay. God chose us. He sent his son. He died for sins. Was raised. He went to the right hand of God. He, he poured out the Holy Spirit. As it says in Acts chapter 2. The Spirit dwells us. He intercedes for us. Carries us along. I wrote an article about that in CIC. Called Carried by the Comforter. Okay. Now, it also says here that Jesus Christ, the one who is sitting at the right hand of God in all majesty and power, he intercedes for us. Right. So we have the Holy Spirit interceding in groanings too deep for words. We have Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And yet there are those who would have us believe we have to get this right. We probably are going to botch it. and it won't work. Wow. I've heard that so many times. And this... over decades, I have lost friends who think that there's something seriously wrong with my doctrine. There must be some mindless Calvinist who can't study the scriptures because Calvin told me what to believe. Nothing in church history is binding just because it's in church history. That's but scripture right. is binding. Yes. That and pretty soon we will look at some different passages and some different stories out of scripture that show all these things work out. And it's not that we're robots and we just go about doing things that have every detail, every response has all been worked out. It's about how God uses both good and evil and the different situations in our life to work out his plan. Okay, so I don't know how you get insecurity out of this, but that's what people want. Yes. Why do you want insecurity? Maybe you're hearing this and you're one of the people 
that really can't believe that God works through his ordained means to save people, to keep them, through means of grace, sanctify us, and ultimately to glorify us. We don't want to believe that if the Holy Spirit's interceding within us, Christ intercedes at the right hand of God. God didn't spare his own son. God says that he uses all things to bring us ultimately into conformity with Christ. But we're more comforted because we think God's more fair, but all might fail if we don't get it right. Do you want that to be your hope? There is no hope in that. Well, there but, isn't, and I can testify to that because I believe that way. God yeah. had mercy on me. doesn't mean I wasn't saved. was that I wasn't preaching the whole counsel of God. Let me just share quickly. You know what, what changed me in my doctrine? I made a commitment in 1983 with, a, with our senior pastor, different group than we're in now, and we decided there's so much instability. Now, many of you may hear this and weren't even around in the 80s or were old enough, not old enough to remember. Instability then, after everything that happened in the 70s, there was a lot of fear, a lot of instability. Okay. And then the false teaching went around. We decided the only thing we could do to comfort people is teach the word of God. It's the least God's word doesn't change. Right. The world changes. We change. People change. World history is full of all kinds of tumults and wars and problems. But God's word will comfort. So we started doing that. Okay. And then finally, I got to Romans 8, Romans 9. Then the problem started. Yeah. Because, well, it can't mean that. I knew that I had to change because I said I teach all these verses. I couldn't teach them. I believe that God is contingent on man to get his things done, get his purposes done. Mm -hmm. And if we goof up, then it won't happen. Wow. Now, some of the same people, as they get older and are still on the scene of history, are shaking more now because now this is 2021. I don't know the future beyond this other than that God will keep all his promises, but I don't know, immediate. They're shaking more than ever. Yeah. Let me tell you something. You may not want this comfort, but you need it. Yes. And the people will say, why is this happening? What is going on? We need this. So if, if we don't think the Holy Spirit interceding, Christ interceding, gives us any comfort. How do you find comfort? You know, I'm going to make the right choices. Right. That There is no comfort in that. And we should all be able to just look at our lives and say, we're not always going to make the right choices. Well, I've made more it's, it's sad, frankly. I failed God many times. Mm-hmm. And if I start thinking about that, it's a horrible thing to think about how often we fail God. Right. But God brings us back if we keep trusting and believing. Yeah. Let's go on so we can get this read. Uh, those that are watching on YouTube or listening, just think about this in the context of everything we talked about. Read a little more quick. So now we know that Christ, who has been raised, intercedes for us. 
Now let's go to 3539. This is interesting. Think about it. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Then he gives a list of things that won't. Okay. So it's a, it's a rhetorical question, but he actually answers it. Will tribulation? No. Distress? No. I'm filling in here. Okay. Persecution or famine or nakedness or peril, sword? No, 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 no. All of them. That's what okay. he means. Let's read on. He cites scripture. Romans 8.36. Just as it is, is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Unquote. Okay. Verse 37. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Yes. Amen. And so when comparing John, where Jesus makes promises, he loses none of his sheep. Right. Now, everything that we're reading, and we'll continue here, we've got a few minutes. Every last thing that you can find in the Bible is a promise of God. Someone doesn't like because it doesn't fit their conception of what they think God should be like. Yes. Whether it's John 6, Romans 8, any passage. Mm -hmm. Old Testament, New Testament, story of Abraham, story of Moses, story of, before that, Joseph. Yes. And uh, all the things that happened, the deliverances, and so on. Okay. Don't be angry with yourself. That's in this chapter that we're, we're going to talk about. It, or excuse me, this is in our article here. Think about it. Let's go on. But in all these things, verse 37, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. This love isn't merely love that, well, I love my car because it goes nicely and doesn't use much gas. Right. Or I love a lot of different things. And even normal love that people have for family or friends, sometimes that gets blown up. But this is God who loved us, his sons and daughters, who are adopted into the family of God. Wow. Ephesians 1. Yeah. You think he's going to somehow let us be destroyed? No. Let's read on. Here's where we really get to the most important point, and this is where people stop reading, and they should read to the end here. Okay. This is what Paul said, Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow. Unquote. Those are precious promises. Yes, but, and I'm not adding a but because I don't. Okay. I should say, however, how many people have said, but it doesn't say our own will can't separate us. Well, 
Yeah, actually it does. It does, but they don't see it. <laughs> right. The human will is a created thing. Everything created is contingent in some way on something. Yes. The God who is transcendent, God who existed before anything was created, the triune God of the Bible, who created the entire universe out of nothing, existed from all eternity. That's the claim of the Bible. And so everything that exists is created, including the human will. Now we know, revealed in the Bible, the fall, some of the angels fell, okay? Okay. Adam and Eve, even in paradise, rebelled and fell. Yes. But throughout the whole scripture, everything's created other than God, who is non-contingent. Okay. So is the human will a created thing, or is it somehow autonomous, sovereign, and the ultimate determination of our own destiny? Sadly, many people would have you believe that. I've been told that again and again and again. Yeah. And the strong or the, the mystics or the pious or the self-confident or the people that want God to look fair. So in order for people to think that he's worth serving, we're going to strip him of his sovereignty, his power, his love, his virtues, and have a pagan worldview in which everything's evolving into godhood or God can't do anything unless we give him permission. God can't work other than what words we speak. We talk about all of that. Dear listeners, are your words the determination of your ultimate destiny? No, absolutely not. Do you feel more comforted in your own willpower than in the promises of God to keep his own people? That's an important thing for us to, to really consider. Yes, and if you read issue 113 on Providence of Promise, I cite an event that happened when people started saying, when I debated an open theist, well, then how do we have any assurance? Well, their assurance was, I'll keep making the right choices. Right. We Let me really... quote that as we close here. Okay. Our claim is the human will is created, not yes. sovereign over all things. And uh, nothing will separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that means we will ultimately, the means that God ordained, he will bring us to glory. So some people said this. Here's the question. It's in this article that I wrote. How can you have assurance of salvation? This person asked, if you believe in God's sovereign grace. Okay. As in this debate, my response was, I failed to understand why someone finds more assurance from their own decision-making abilities than from the power of God to keep them. Amen. That's what I said. Okay. And 
there were people that were just utterly shocked. I don't think they'd ever even thought of that. Yes. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website CICMinistry.org. While you're there, you can click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bobby Wade. We'll see you next week.